Welcome to TA1. Everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, Legendary Randy Erickson. Got a legendary chili dog down here. And legendary really noisy birds in the other room. But we're going to ignore them. So, um, we're back. I had a great weekend um, in St. Louis at the Castlewood 8-Hour Adventure Race. Um which was one in two hours and 47 minutes. But that's because I um, had to take part of the course out. Actually, we're going to talk about that later in the episode. But anyway, really great time. Lots of really good people, a lot of new people, first-time racers and stuff like that. So uh, thanks to Emily and Earl for uh, bringing me down in down to the south. Uh, nice to get away from the crappy weather the snow for a few days not that it's uh, we got some snow on the ground here it's cold but it's not too bad and we're inside so who cares um not a lot else going on well that's the holidays maybe we'll have another episode next week but then uh hopefully after the first of the year you know we start to get back into the swing of things and um we'll uh, get going for another year so we're almost coming up on five years four years so we started our fifth year anyway um let's get this going with uh clifford and uh kate the whites not the white stripes but the whites and um as a little got some audio that's not great in there i don't think we're missing anything so you know you can't expect a professional podcast from, you know, maybe you should after four years, but you don't get one. So anyway, enjoy. And, um, yeah, most of it sounds pretty good. Just you know, plug your ears for a little bit. Anyway, thanks for um, listening. Go fast, uh, take chances, and peace out. Bye. Hello? Is this Walter and Skyler White? <laughs> hey Randy We've got the we've got the blue. You need some? <laughs> hey, maybe just a little. <laughs> See what we can do. Yeah, so you didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> no. Kate, Kate hasn't watched a single I, episode. I've heard enough about it though, I don't need to. You haven't seen Breaking Bad? Yeah, I ha it's a little I don't know. I can deal with upsetting, but for I think it's like a little too, too real or something. Like oh. I haven't watched it. People think my dad looks fancy, which is, is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, see, I kind of um, uh, am jealous of people that haven't seen it. I'd love to be able to see it again for the first time. Yeah, yeah. maybe someday I'll someday you know, I'll do it. Someday you'll be you'll have the flu and you'll break down and you'll watch start binging it and. <laughs> That's true. That would probably be the circumstance. Yeah. So, uh, how are you guys? Good. Yeah, really good. How are you doing, Randy? Um, I don't know. It's cold out. I don't like cold. <laughs> but well, you, you were know, in Baja, right? So uh, yeah. Well, Baja. Yeah, and then St. Louis last weekend, and so, and then um, I'm in the middle of forest fires quote unquote they're burning all our slash piles around here so 
It's, it's, oh, I just saw that photo you posted on Facebook, and I was wondering what was going on. Well, that'll yeah. warm you up a little bit, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of is. We walk out there when Chili has to go out and and uh, walk around. They're they're down. They're just barely burning by the time I get home. But it's pretty cool. It's like wow, we actually have land here. We can see and and getting rid of all the piles. Although we did keep, we had them uh, keep quite a few for critter. For habitat, so. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, we didn't want to run all our all our little animals out, but. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I want to know how Castlewood went. How how was it going down there? We've always wanted to do that race. It was a really cool race. Um, it was a little short because I had to to uh, cut the mountain bike the the really good mountain biking out because it rained, mm-hmm. and. Mm, um, you know when you're in kind of an urban setting and there you're getting all these messages you're not going to tear up our trails on facebook mm-hmm. you're you're very uh not that they uh, would anyway but it's um it's very interesting um seeing a race in in that that kind of situation where it's you know it, it's fairly urban um mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of other uh, uh considerations even though once racers were out you know in places they were they were in some really cool areas, so but you can find a lot of cool hidden gems around a lot of U.S. cities. Uh, yes, the first race I did was uh, the um, high tech in two thousand two, mm-hmm. uh, a three hour race outside of New York. I grew up in New York, and it was in New York City, and uh, we were amazed at some of the places they found, even with a three hour race. Um, but uh, you're still you're still in the city. You still don't feel like you're totally out in nature. But yeah, it is cool to, to explore. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's a beginner race. I mean, they had eighty, so out of three hundred people, eighty of them was first timers. So it's a, yeah, a very good. Um, I don't, I don't think they're overwhelmed because they know they're not going to get lost in the wilderness. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is just so cool and heartening to see a race with get that many people, and I know. Uh, Rib Mountain and Mark Van Tongren in Michigan and uh, Adventure Enablers are just drawing in huge <laughs> crowds of racers, and uh, it, we need to learn from them. <laughs> yeah. So, the, I mean, the one interesting thing is it, um, it you know, they're definitely racers are are stepping up. I'm, I don't remember what the number was, but Emily said there were maybe. 10 to 15 racers that started there that did nationals but there's also i talked to a ton of people that's like yep this is this is our adventure race of the year um yeah yep yep yeah so you know how how certain areas get that that race sometimes it's a running race sometimes it's a bike race that that uh even if you're not a runner or a biker you do that one every sure. year so that's um, definitely something we picked up on now that we've done this uh, race directing for three years is uh, we run a three-hour, an eight-hour, and a 24-hour. And we find that the same racers, for the most part, do the same races every year. There's no advancement or permit or uh, stepping up for the most part. Uh, it's, you know, people have their comfort level and, and they pretty much stay in their lane. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, if you get one or two, I think I guess maybe that's all you can ask for that move up and maybe move on to a, you know uh, be a uh, 
one of uh, one of you guys. <laughs> I don't want to say a racer because they all are racers, and I don't want to you know make fun of them. But come on, people, everybody should do a four hour four day race. <laughs> <laughs> Well, got to say that one again. You broke up a little bit. Well, we were just commenting on the, the level of masochism that it takes to do the longer ones, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. It's a – well, I don't know. We'll see, right? Yeah. So what um, – let's let's start with the easy question. What's, uh, what's your take on the state of the union of adventure racing in America and – and, and a little bit worldwide. This is an hour-long podcast, right? Yep. He wanted you to ask that so badly. <laughs> so, well, I'm glad I got one right. So, all right. First, I want to get yours because I don't think you've ever really been gone on the record about this. What What do you really? I mean, you travel around more than the racer does around the U.S. And I think we need, we need to look at it from a U.S. perspective. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, what do you think about the U.S. race scene um, and how it projects nationally and internationally? Um, okay. I think we're down a little bit. Um, just, you know, and I think part of that's because we, we're – there's two. We lost two big races. We're not going to have any, you know, tough race or an untamed. Which, and I knew we wouldn't. You know, Grant's got, not going to do an untamed two years in a row. But um, you know, losing an adventure neighbors, you know, expedition race hurts. Um, I, I mean, we still have. I think it's going to be two really good races with C to C and and um, and uh, Oregon. But kind of the cupboards bare after that. So, um, you know, that, and that's not to say that next week somebody might, you know, has been planning a race for, you know, and coming out with big ones and, and, uh, that could come, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, from strictly from my point of view, it's like, yeah, I'm going to a C to C and then it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of the year. Go, mm-hmm. go truck racing, I guess. But, <laughs> and then of course, you know, we have the. The 800-pound gorilla, right, with Eco, right. which, you know, who knows? I could, you could have a 1,000 people at your race next year. Yeah, we've been talking about that. Like, is it going to, yeah, is it going to do something big or nothing at all? And and who is, you know, who's going to watch Eco Challenge and be pulled into the racing team from that? And, you know, do we need to? Or do we want to change our format at all to accommodate that? There's a lot of a lot of questions. Yeah. Well. Um, well, what's the the Chinese proverb? You know, beware of living in interesting times. <laughs> so. But um, yeah, it's 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 strained with eco. It'll for one thing, it's test my theory that a, a race doesn't have to be on network TV. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll find out how that works, and and uh, yeah. So here's my question: Do you got? Did you guys uh, put your name in the hat? 
We, we, I mean, in the most non-committal way. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm waiting to hear where it's going to be, Yeah, um, what, what the cost is going to be. They said nothing about that. Yeah. And See. Uh, all that. Yeah. And I'm, I guess to me, I, it, it's going to cost a ton no matter what because it's going to be somewhere. Yeah. But I'm not sure, you know, without any knowledge. I don't know why everybody assumes that the entry fee is going to be high. Um, well, didn't it used to be pretty high? Honestly, I don't remember. Um, you know, Primal Quest always was high, and you know, kind of still is. But you know, and I'm not saying it's not going to be, but it's also a TV production, and it's like they don't need the the uh, entry fee money as much. I wouldn't think so, which probably means it's going to be twenty thousand dollars a team. Because what do I know? <laughs> well, I mean, apart for us too, we've got a little. Uh almost a year and a half year old kids yeah. we're about now too. So um, we probably realistically we really only have one exhibition we could probably do we could do next year. Yeah. So um, so I'm being a little more practical and Cliff is really dreaming big about about Eco Challenge. Well <laughs> Yeah. Wrong <laughs> words realistically and practically. I don't like those words. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can all dream right until we get some facts. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> I have to let us along here. They said they're going to announce everything in November. Now it's soon, and every day it's awesome. Yeah. Maybe it's time to team up, and it's like, where are we going? What, yeah. <laughs> how much money do we need to pay you? Yeah. It's well, I mean, you know, I saw today that Bear Grylls was in uh, Kenya, so, right? That wouldn't be yeah, so bad. This and, or not, he was hanging out in the yeah, it's yeah. I would race there. <laughs> yeah, I know my I know my dad and brother would race there. I just need to get okay to race there. <laughs> Randy, will you babysit for us? <laughs> well, I guess if that's my if that's how I have to be get to be part of Eco Challenges by babysitting, I guess. <laughs> Tell you what, we'll pay you whatever left in the bank after we sign up. Yeah. Oh, geez. I always wanted to be that rich. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so, so I'm, you know, it, yeah, it's a little, um, yeah, I'm like, kind of like, what's going to happen this year? But, you know, I, th- I, I think that Eco will, there'll be a boost of some sort. How much? Who knows? I don't think. I'm not sure we're ever going to go back to the, you know, the '90s with that and with corporate teams and stuff. So, you know, you know, I think I've said before my my idea of what I would like to be able to see in the U.S. is the top the top three teams could go race for free. You know, enough sponsorship that none of those people are putting money out of their own pockets. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. They're yeah. not going to get paid, but. Yeah. I think that that may be the the best we can hope for. So, sorry, everybody that wants to be a pro. 
<laughs> I think that's totally gonna happen. Yeah. Maybe, I, honestly, I'm maybe this is me being impractical again or uh, unrealistic, but I think when you put, you know, Mark Burnett on a passion project with mm-hmm. Bear Grylls, you're gonna yeah. see a huge bump. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's gonna be like the type of hit that Eco Challenge was, but you have to understand that television is all about niche audiences right now. Yeah. And, and it's targeted marketing. I mean, we're not looking to, you know, um, we don't need mass national exposure. What you need is to attract that core audience of people who like being outdoors. And I think this show is totally going to do that. And I think um, the whole scene in the U.S. and internationally is going to see a, bo- a boom or a, a boost from it. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm super excited to see what they're cooking up, and um, I, I think it's hard to tell, you know, what the impact's going to be, but I think it's a really good time to have a conversation in the community about um, what it's going to do and, and how we can prepare, you know, if their resources yeah. are out there to um, bring people into the sport, you know, to bring them from the TV show into actually signing up and participating. Um, and, I mean, for me, to go back to your question about the state of the sport, because um, I've been thinking about, about this, um, you know, uh, for since we started running races, uh, I mean, you see the um, the sport is getting older. I mean, mm-hmm. all the people who watch Eco Challenge are, I mean, even I watched it when I was, you know, in middle school and high school, and I'm 35 now. And yeah. there's just not many people under the age of 35. I mean, you were at Untamed New England. Uh, they gave out a mm-hmm. young racer award, and there were two teams with average age under 35. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, you know, the sport is rapidly getting older, whether we like to admit it or not. And yeah. we need we need younger people involved. And that's if, if Mark Burnett and Bear Grylls can't do it, I don't know who's going to. So uh, I'm hopeful and optimistic, and I think that's our target demographic that we need to start trying to appeal to is, is younger racers, younger people, outdoors people. Uh, I think, you know, millennials are um, up for new experiences. I think there's a larger group of them that are into the outdoors. I think we can bring them in. We just need to think about how. How's it, yeah. How can we do that? Yeah, because they don't have – yeah, I think you're absolutely right. They don't have that frame of reference of eco or the early primal quests and stuff. So, um, yeah, maybe they, they'll see this and say, oh, yeah, that you know, I am hiking and can doing this kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, yeah, this is the new big challenge. So um, my, you know, my other technical question, and I'm very interested to see is, how do what do they do with social media? Um, you know, because there's well, because there's no I don't see any way that they could make um, the race the vid the the TV show compelling from a race standpoint because you can't not tell five hundred people not to talk about something for six months. <laughs> Well, so, what the turnaround time will be? Is it going to be? Do you, do you know, Cliff, how long they're going to go from 
running the race to releasing. There's no information out there about this. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I agree, Randy. That would be hard, and I, and yeah. I don't know if that's going to wait very long. Or... I honestly don't think that they're going to have very hard to hide the results for this. Yeah. The way they I don't either. Survivor. But Survivor, all the drama was who's going to win. With yeah. this race, it's not about who's going to win. It's who's going to die <laughs> yeah. or, or uh, you know, how, how hard the race is going to be, how hard it's going to push people. I mean, even knowing that Mike Closer and Ian Adams and Robin Menincasa uh, were going to win every year <laughs> pretty much yeah. um, didn't stop people from getting really into Eco Challenge. So, um, I mean. Yeah, I was, I was watching. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I agree with you. I think that the social media aspect will drive – the TV aspect. So, yeah, I, I don't mean to make light of people dying. I mean, that is a serious concern. <laughs> but, but, but you know what you I'm know saying? What? Like, you know, the, that, the bugs and the guano and the dirt yeah. and the sleep deprivation, that's what people watch for. Yep. But you know what? NASCAR says nobody watches for the wrecks. Well, they do. Right. <laughs> and they're going to watch Eco Challenge for the wrecks. Yeah. So, and they will be. So, um, so, so, are you? Uh, is the glass half full or three quarters full or a quarter empty? For on AR, yeah, it's all the way full, man. It's the coolest sport <laughs> in the world. Yeah, I think too, for us, like you know, I'm curious as race directors on a very small scale. You know, we get you know maybe a hundred people in a race, yeah. and. So, you know, if if the sport really did take off after Eco Challenge came out again, um, you know, in some ways I'm, I'm wondering if we would even be relevant, you know. Um, like, I feel like to really keep up with it, maybe if it got big again, you'd almost need really, you know, people who are professional race directors, not people who are weekend race directors like we are. Um, so in some ways, if the, race does, if the sport doesn't grow like crazy after Eco Challenge comes out, I'm also all right with that because it means we'll probably just kind of keep doing what yeah. we enjoy doing, which is which is fun. So I mean, but if it was a big thing, it would just okay. So if this makes a big splash, but you don't get a bunch of racers, it still should make your race directing job a little easier because you don't have to explain to everybody. Yes. You you can send them a link to the show. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Well, in fact, we'll probably, you know, put that on our website. Like, hey, you know, want to have your own eco, you know, mini eco challenge experience just for people yep. to have that frame of reference. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So, I don't think Mark and, and Bear – see, I'm using – I'm on first-name basis with them now because I've been – Of course. <laughs> looking, <laughs> so, they probably don't need any more of our publicity, but – so, I want to know – what? So, okay, how many races have you put on as a race director? Our fourth year. So we started with an eight and a three hour race. Uh, the next year we went to a ten and a three, and last year we did twenty four a nine, and um, we canceled the beginner race. But then on separate eight and a three in the fall, which we then canceled the eight. So, <laughs> and then this. Coming year, um, and we can make this the global unveiling of uh, our nonprofit organization that yes. we're starting off to uh, be a more formal uh, race directing uh, 
group were putting on at least three races, potentially as many as five, in Maine this year, or 2019. Um, and uh, so we're going to – the Maine Summer Adventure Race is going to be a 24-hour race again. Um, and just we're just doing 24, so all our attention and focus is going to be on that race. Uh, that's happening June 22nd to 23rd um, in, in southern Maine. Um, and then we're hosting a super beginner, uh, like, adventure Family, festival yeah, exactly. in July at uh, Hidden Valley Nature Center where we've hosted our other events. And then for the second year, we're going to do the Wildlands Adventure Challenge in October. Um, and that's going to be in a beautiful spot in Maine where there's, when the mountains meet the ocean, um, up in Orland, Maine, near Acadia National Park where it's stunningly gorgeous in the fall. So, so that's cool, and we'll get to those. But I got, but I have actually I have a question after my my uh, rambling. So what what would you go back and tell yourselves before you put on your first race? Something that you've learned that's really important. Hmm. Good question. I think I'd probably tell ourselves to um, maybe trust ourselves a little bit more. Like, I think, um, especially in the beginning, moving from racer to race director felt like taking on this big responsibility, especially responsibility for people enjoying our races and yeah. you know, having fun and everything. Um, and I think... Not that we went crazy with trying to, you know, do things that we weren't comfortable with or anything like that, but more just that we, you know, we know what kind of races to put on because we know what kind of races we enjoy. Mm. Um, so maybe trusting that um, kind of intuition you know, a little bit more. I think that's probably yeah. the, the main thing I would tell us. Yeah. Just, yeah, trust, trust, you, trust that you know what you're doing. Yeah, like you know a good race when you see it because yeah. when you've raced, and we have, you know, had great experiences racing all over the country. Even though we've only raced for, what, six, five, six years, we've raced a lot of different types of races. Um, so I think from that we have just a good sense for, you know, what's out there and, and what we like and um, you know, what makes a good race. So just trusting that knowledge, I think, from, the, from yeah. your own experience. So um, what makes a good race? Oh, oh, here's a better question. What makes a good race from a race director's perspective versus a racer's perspective? <laughs> a good race from a race director's perspective is uh, everyone smiling at the last TA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the boats, no, the boat rentals Every, showing yes. up on time. And the bus showing up and the on bus time. Showing up <laughs> on time. Yeah, the, the yeah. people you're running logistics with. Following sort of that, that part. Um, no, I mean for me, I think as a racer, flow is my probably my biggest thing. Is like I love a race that you know doesn't feel contrived, feels like sections flow into each other, and within sections that, that you can kind of feel that flow and feel that even in a shorter race, almost like that expedition experience. Like you're trying to get somewhere. You're not running in circles. Like you're trying to you know, make it through to some to some finish line. Um, so that's what I like to look for in course design. Yeah. So so no uh, rappel just thrown in for a rappel. 
<laughs> We've done some pretty annoying repels. Yeah. We've yeah. also done some pretty amazing repels. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and we've sat in bottlenecks, and we've also shown up, and we're the only team for miles around. Sure. And, uh, so, I mean, that question that I posed on Facebook um, was more to say, you know, I, I'm more curious about the money aspect, which um, it seemed like people are okay with paying $15 for a repel, but I was more curious, uh, how much value do you place on those those value-added experience? Because we can put together, um, you know, foot, bike pretty easily. You're bringing your own bike, you know, you're bringing your own feet. Uh, the boats cost money, um, yeah. and then, you know, ropes cost money, so um, that's going to be reflected in registration fees, and I'm kind of curious... You know, what is an acceptable registration fee for a 24-hour or an 8-hour or a 3-hour race? Yeah. Um, I think there's kind of a, an unwritten or rule of thumb where it's $10 per hour. Um, but I'm kind of curious, you know, would people pay more for a really awesome race with, like, I mean, you looked at uh, the World Championships in La Reunion, and there were repels all through that course. Yeah. That looks so cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, rather than adapt, talk about having that be part of the course flow. But then you think about the logistics of setting up ropes right. where teams are spread over 150 miles of course, and you've got to be have trained rope crews all through that course. So, uh, I mean, there's an expense and a complication as a race director that factors into that as well. And I guess I'm trying to figure out, you know, where's the sweet spot between people thinking that they are paying a reasonable amount for the race and also – you know, us adding in additional components um, that cost more money, but could add a certain, you know, added element to the to the race. Yeah, yeah. Um, to me, I I found your question very interesting. The number of people that actually had um, thoughtful answers. Not that I was one of them, but. <laughs> uh. Well, I noticed all the photographers said yes. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, <laughs> um, um, it's it's like a sunset picture. It's you can't take a bad one of you know a, a ropes course. So of course we like it. For sure, you get a different angle. Mm -hmm. It's not uh, eye to eye. You're finally getting someone elevated, and you get some cool. Uh, I, I agree. Repelling shots always look cool. Um, I, I would say that um, they add a huge logistical headache where you're depending on other people. Yeah. Neither Cade nor I are like exceptional rock climbers. You know, we haven't done anything more than, you know, go to a rock climbing gym more than a couple dozen times, but um, it's it's something that I think is uh, part of the core of adventure racing uh, in, in its like one of the core disciplines in adventure racing mm -hmm. is to know ropes and we've started or we've gotten to know them through AR and had a lot of fun with them. Um, like the Thunder Rolls, Lightning Strikes, always had a really cool ropes course. Um, in Gold Rush, yeah. So we've done our fair share of like really, and it can be the most memorable highlight of a race, um, but it can also be really annoying, like yeah. climbing, uh, spending an hour waiting in line to climb a 30-foot tower and rappel off you know, the other side where you're like, this is so pointless. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think you have to trust the race director as a racer that they're going to put a cool course together, or you don't do the race again, or 
you know, you reevaluate. Yeah. But, you know, that's aside, how much is it actually worth to you to, like, have that element in a race? Yeah. And there were a lot of silent yeses, and there were a lot of vocal maybes or, or nos. Um, and so um, I think that generally the less experienced racers, it's a bigger deal for them, and the more experienced racers have done a lot of ropes in courses before, it's it's less of a big deal to them. That yeah. is my takeaway. I do. Yeah. Unlike it, and I think everybody said, hey, like, Say that again, you broke up a little bit. Oh, yeah, just saying that I think a lot of the consensus seemed to be, you know, if it flows well with the course, then, uh, you know, it's a cool bonus, but don't, like, you know, don't shape your your course around adding in a a, a rappel if it doesn't fit well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing you probably knew that, but is it just like a validation for you? Yeah, and I think like Cliff was saying, it was good to know that maybe um, if, if people would be willing to pay a little extra like, if they had cool Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Just make it worth worth while. Yeah. <laughs> we- <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, where are we at? Whatever. Oh, so let's talk about your big plans for this year. So walk walk me through the races and, and all the stuff you got. You know, we we kind of went through it quickly, but I want to know more about what you're planning. What we've got coming up that we're, that we're directing. We kind, of, we kind of already talked about that, but do you want to, Randy? Do you want to know what we're directing or what we're racing in? Well, let's do directing, and then we'll get to the racing. We'll get we'll get all this boring rate directing stuff out of the way, and then we'll talk <laughs> <Yeah>. racing. <laughs> Well, so our big, we're very excited. So we've done the main summer adventure race. Now this will be our fourth year. Um, and like Cliff was saying, we decided to really focus all our energy on a 24-hour race this year. Last year we did a 24 and a 9-hour race. Um, and I think, you know, for our own sanity and just um, more ease during the race weekend, um, doing, especially when you have one 24-hour race, like having that as your only focus, I think, we decided that's the way to go for for us. Um, so yeah, that'll be in June, and I would say it's going to be more of kind of a, a classic main race. Um, our course last year took people inland a bit um, to more of kind of an undiscovered area of Maine, and this one will be a little more classic. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. Yeah. Um, and then we've got um, a family kind of festival festival weekend that we're doing that we're gonna we're thinking of running that actually more like an orienteering meet where people can come in at any time and start the race at any time um and it'll be super family oriented so you know a lot of kids and figure that flexibility flexibility yeah. will be good for families um and that's in july um and then yeah in, in october we've got the wildlands adventure challenge um, which we did this year is kind of like a soft start to it. We didn't really put a lot of time into uh, uh, marketing it or anything. Um, but this coming year, we'll put a little more time into that. And, and we've got a really cool piece of land um, that's uh, got some nice little mountains in it and very close to the ocean um, in the down east region of Maine, so um, near Acadia National Park and um very the uh, um 
really neat area of the of the state, um, and that'll be an eight hour and a three hour race. So, so that's you know you, you're getting a uh, you're biting off a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we are, yeah, and we're trying we're trying to do it in a way that doesn't overwhelm us. And we've got a few other things thinking about like the full trail system we're considering putting doing an running an ultra on that or um you know probably that just the three adventure races but maybe a couple of other um events along the way as well we'll so what's the reasoning behind forming your nonprofit? Uh, a couple different reasons um so the first is liability um Mm -hmm. i was going to say um in the past we've worked as volunteers for a Land conservation and environmental education nonprofit, and we're going to continue to uh, donate to them because we really support what they're doing. Um, it's called the Mid Coast Conservancy, uh, and that's where we're going to be running that family event we're doing. Um, but we also uh, have realized that uh, adventure racing is expensive, mm-hmm. and that we'd like to fund our own team uh, at least partially um, through the races we put on. So. Um, and at least make it a zero-sum game to uh, um, race um, or, or make our own uh, racing ambitions as athletes uh, subsidized a little bit by um, the races we put on. So um, that's that's a partial goal of, of this group is to um, promote the sport um, and get more people into it and then also um, uh, hopefully um, – you know, get the word out about adventure racing through supporting uh, our team and, and other hopefully noble and worthy causes out there that we can uh, put put this little bit of money that we make from yeah. uh, directing into. Yeah. Well, I th- the good thing is everybody listening to this podcast knows how poor uh, <laughs> putting on races makes you. So. <laughs> Yeah, we don't even want we don't we try not to calculate the you know amount of time that we put into the race yeah. directing, you know, especially yeah. of course design and all that. Yeah. Calculate our hourly wages. <laughs> Maybe Bear Grylls and Mark Nettle uh, plus a charitable donation. <laughs> yeah. So do you um do you kind of like say well we're going we're going scouting but it also counts as a training day. Oh, yes. I mean, things have changed a little bit since having the kid just because we have to use our time a little bit, like manage it a little bit more. I think in the past we kind of just show up at a place that we thought would be cool and we just run around or bike around for, you know, the day and check it out. Um, mm-hmm. We'll still do that, but we'll just be a little more thoughtful around, like, you know, having, you know, picked out points in advance to, to go check out or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely counts as like a fun, you know, yeah. um, day in the woods, and, we, and we'll try to like you know pre-run. Well, we always pre-run sections, but we'll try to um, you know do that as we're out scouting too. Yeah, it's a pretty low intensity workout, but yeah. it's it's nice to get out. And yeah. Be out that I would say it's it, it's probably more it's more of a it's not your like level five intensity workout it's more of just a you know get on your feet on your back or maybe a thirty pound baby there you go 
more, I would say it's more delineated for me um, in terms of it's either a scouting day or a training day. So, I got you. So, um, so if you're training, that means you're racing, right? Eventually, sometimes. Yeah, we do like to race. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. So, tell me about racing this year, and then we'll then we'll see what you're going to do next year. Yeah. So I know I know two races you did. What was the second one? Well, the uh, New the Jersey Inferno and Untamed. <laughs> That's right. I, I just that was uh, on baby duty last weekend. So. So How was it? <laughs> yeah. Tell me all about it. This is the part where. Different? Say that again. Well, yes. Yeah, so. Okay. Ira deserves a ton of credit. Yeah. Uh, those guys um, are really bringing that organization into the upper echelon of uh, race directors in the country. We've raced nationwide, and um, they're putting on some truly amazing races. That's why I didn't do the Jersey Inferno. <laughs> I did. It was great. It was a nice 10-hour race. Um, it was tough, like, so um, I wasn't feeling my best, but, um, you know, sometimes it's good to go out there on a day you're not feeling great and still make it through a course and, you know, maybe you suffer a little more than usual, but it feels like you've accomplished something at the end of it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I actually had no idea that New, New Jersey could be as pretty as it was. <laughs> we were, uh, in this, the state park system and doing a lot of like kind of running along ridge lines and um, Eric Caravella very nicely put a lot of the checkpoints, you know, in the valley, on the ridge, in the valley, on the ridge. So there was a lot of up and down. Um, and I think some people had tracked the altimeters alt- along the way, and we did something like over 7,000 feet of climbing in the 10 hours. So, um, so it was a very physical race and um, a lot of fun. So um, that was a, a nice way to end the season for me. So. Yeah, I mean, um, I th- I think everybody knows how much I like to make fun of New Jersey, but <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> but they have some. Surprisingly, they have some great places for adventure racing, and it's hard, and and you never oh, know. Oh yeah, when the, it was definitely challenging. Yeah, and you never know when you might come upon a mob hit in the middle of the woods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we luckily avoided that, but we did encounter a, a swarm of Boy Scouts. I would say. who was more surprised you or the boy scouts Um, i think we were the boy scouts were pretty engrossed in whatever it is that they do um you know learning various skills um so we we were probably the ones that were more um surprised to see them perhaps but uh yeah randy i think uh, for future podcasts you should ask what's the most surprising thing you've seen an adventure race. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be a good question. No, you gotta say it again, though. You're breaking up a little bit. If you should ask future podcast guests, what's the most surprising thing you've seen during an adventure race? Uh, you know what? We, it's a good question, but we might not want to know the answer all the time. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> when we did, I did a race with another guy in uh, Illinois, and a float boat full of people came and flashed us. Or like kept driving by, flashing us in the middle of nowhere uh, on a river in rural Illinois. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so, 
Okay, here's the question. Were you on the river or were they on the river? We were both on the river. I think okay. they were a little more drunk on the river than I was. Okay. <laughs> See, um, I don't find that very surprising because that seems to be kind of a tradition um, for for rafting is people flashing each other. Oh, okay. It's pretty <laughs> pretty common. So you have to get um, to prepare ourselves for it to realize. Yeah, it was so. uh they just drove right up at us at full speed. It was a, a big pontoon boat and uh it's like fifteen people <laughs> in the middle of this quiet, you know, uh you know, race mode, intense mental state and then just all of a sudden out of nowhere this party boat comes hauling <laughs> yeah. by full of naked people. Yeah. Um that's yeah, you know what, I'll put I'll put that in my list in my mind that I never remember. But that is kind of a, uh, yeah, cool. Make people think about things. I was just yeah, trying to. Th- I'd like to know, uh, you know, as people you talk with people who've done more expedition races, if it's real or hallucinations too. <laughs> well, there is that. I think there's. I think there's some. Well, we know there's times when people are like, um, yeah, that really didn't happen. You know. So. <laughs> I've never hallucinated during a race, but I I think that that's what I need. To do. Yeah, well, you're not going hard enough. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I never when I was racing, I never hallucinated, but I did have one time when I was doing long, you know, you know, multi-day bike races, uh, training where I was riding down the middle of the interstate at three o'clock in the morning, and I knew if I closed my eyes, I'd fall asleep. And I was really, really, really curious to see what would happen, <laughs> but not curious enough to actually do it. I mean, I would have crashed, but yeah. <laughs> or or would you just you know cruise for a little bit and then crash? <laughs> you know. But um, um, so let's. Uh, I want to hear a little bit about Untamed. Yeah, for sure. Um, we were we were pretty happy with Untamed. Um, I think uh, for the first three days of the race, it went better than we could have hoped. And then the last 24 hours is uh, wasn't bad, but gives us um, kind of a hunger to. I think that's when experience really kicked in, and mm-hmm. we didn't have as much experience as some of the teams in front of us. And mm-hmm. um, we made a decision to sleep when we probably should have pushed on and. Um, I think that um, could have cost us, um, if not in places, then, you know, in a lot of time that we left on the table. But um, it was a cool race. It was our first yeah. Untamed, and uh, it's got such a big reputation in, in New England that um, we were so excited to be able to do it. We just couldn't uh, express enough uh, accolades for Grant coming back and, uh, deciding to uh, do another Untamed, and we hope he keeps doing them because there's nothing like driving an hour down the highway to the start of an expedition race. Yeah, I was going to ask you which which was a bigger decision maker: the fact that it's this iconic race, or that it's an hour down the road. We both were were definitely a pull for us. The race yeah. started. The race started Tuesday, and we both worked Monday. <laughs> yeah. So. It's crazy. We took four days off work for an expedition race. Yeah. It's awesome. It's wow. uh, pretty amazing when they're close like that. But um, did you would did you feel a little bit cheated? Because it 
you know, you're doing this big expedition race, but you didn't have to travel to it. It felt so weird because our first two races, well, my we did Itera as our first expedition race in Ireland, and it, it's it's such a memorable experience because yeah. it was, uh, I mean, a travel experience as much as it was a race experience. Yeah, I think for for Untamed it was completely different mindset because we weren't there to see scenery. Um, you know, we climbed a lot of the mountains in the area that we were. We we knew what we were going to expect visually, and we could just entirely focus on um, racing, and I think that yeah. helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agree? yeah. I mean, I think it's funny because it did. It felt like a really different. Usually, um, we, you know, big races like that when you travel, yeah, it's kind of like a way. We always say, like, the event race is cool because the race directors from the area, and so they're taking you to all the cool places and a tour, you know, being on a tour. Um, a very intense tour, but, you know, a tour nonetheless. Um, and this, you know, still felt like that. I would say the race course ended up being in a lot of areas near where we'd been before, but none of the course itself was all new to us. Um, so it was cool to be like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, the Belknap Range is this really cool hiking area or whatever, you know. So we, we definitely saw some things that we hadn't expected to, to see or, you know, learn some new things about the area. But, um, yeah, but at the same time, it did feel strangely familiar, which was unusual for, for a big race like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a cool race, but I mean, I know what you mean because that's always kind of the way I felt about going to the Cowboy Tough. It's just like, yeah. well, I'm just driving a few hours. Well, then... I mean, literally, I, one of our teammates, Evan, who he jumped on the team a couple months before the race, we had a team on the, on the team. And uh, we, like, we finished that first big um, truck leg, and we get on our bikes, and we're, you know, all excited because we're doing, you know, doing better than we expected. And then we roll into the next section and realize, looking at the map, oh, we're on the Saco River. Well, Evan, if you just paddled all the way down to the town of Saco in a couple of miles the river, you'd be in Evan's backyard. So uh, he was like, oh, we should just, you know, we'll just roll on into my parents' place. Yeah. <laughs> kind of funny to be on this river that, you know, way up at the other end of it, but still yeah. familiar, you know, his house is literally on the river. Yeah. Well, when uh, in Primal Quest in 09 here, the, there literally was one checkpoint 400 yards from the house. And, <laughs> and cool. the first bike leg, um, they went I literally at, on the road past my parents' cabin. So, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. It is. Um, do you think it kind of, did it help you? I mean, you had, had a good race, but did it help you having, you know, home court advantage, quote unquote? You know, not in terms like navigationally. No, not really. Like we, again, we were we knew we knew some of the areas, but we we've never the course didn't cross the main area. Yeah. Or we, you know, it crossed one area that Cliff and I realized we'd been champion before. <laughs> we were like, oh, we know this road. Um. But otherwise, not in that sense. I think maybe mentally it just felt, again, you know, that familiarity helped. Yeah. A couple of our teammates um, had, like, family along the way that popped up at a couple of random TAs. So, you know, you got that boost. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, that was really cool. Um, so maybe a little bit, but not, not substantially. On the other hand, I think sometimes when we've done races that are out of areas that we know, you know, you're motivated just by um, kind of the excitement of being somewhere new. So I guess I could argue it either way. Yeah. 
it's a toss-up. So, um, I mean, you, you just kind of know, you sort of randomly know what you're getting into, just not yeah, specifically. You know, well. you know, like, your gear is going to be appropriate because you use it, you know, in the head. You know, yeah. Things like that. Yeah. So what's on the plan, other than race directing, what's on the plan for next year? So it's a tough choice next year um, because, A, there's no untamed in our backyard that kind of de facto, well, we have to do this because it's easy <laughs> in here. Yeah. But there's so many cool international races next year. Mm -hmm. It's like I don't understand how it's a sustainable environment, frankly. <laughs> With that many amazing big races out there and the population of adventure racers uh, not growing enormously year by year. Um, yeah. But um, I'm excited as a racer to have this many options. Mm -hmm. um, I would do any of the ARWS races that have been announced. Croatia looks amazing, but we, it interferes with our schedule. Um, uh, you know, the, the South American races are always super cool looking. Um, but the ones that fit our schedule next year are all in Europe. Um, mm -hmm. July and August are typically our easiest months work-wise, and so kind of coming down to between Itera again, which we have a lot of unfinished business there, yeah. um, and uh, Nordic Islands, which just looks unbelievable. It's a 700K course. Um, they have a pretty big window for finishing, um, and Norway and Scandinavia – it's just like top of my list in terms of places I'd want to visit and race. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say, you know, if you just had to pick one place, but, um, Norway is definitely up there for me. Um, yeah. so that looks super stunning. Um, that would be my top choice. I think. Um, oh, we're, yeah, we're kind of waiting to see how schedules fall out, but I think Nordic islands is probably where we'll be. Yeah, but it, then you India and Sri Lanka and um, wherever Eco Challenge is going to be. I mean, there's so many great races out there. Yeah, but um, from a practical standpoint of view, it's pretty easy for you to go to Europe, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boston. Yeah. Yeah. A lot easier than Sri Lanka or. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, yes. yeah, South Africa. <laughs> so. I, I looked at doing Expedition Oregon last year, um, and uh, I, I was actually signed up, and your friend JD uh, was nice enough to my spot and uh, guide those guys uh, who are a team for time racers through, through what looked like a really tough course. Um, but uh, it's it was harder to get to Bend, Oregon, than it is to get to Norway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Crazy. No, I I hear you. I mean, I'm I was looking at going to Seattle or you know going out to Washington over New Year's because Paulette's got some time off, and it's like it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, to fly, but then yeah, but then like I flew to St. Louis for like two hundred and seventy bucks. <laughs> so you know, it's like I'm don't try to figure out the airline business in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> so. So we're um, excited to. We've got a good crew of racers. We are racing with as Team Chaos Machine now, and um, we've got a, a great crew of racers. And we're going to try to just you know pack at least one team into each of the, the local races around us and 
you know, the few that are in New England and then, um, you know, sort of greater northeast, like the rootstock races, the Meyer races, um, all of those. So that's kind of our, our hope for next year and, and to send at least one team to nationals. So, so you got a you got a full year sort of planned. You just don't have you got a bunch of stuff penciled in, but nothing's in the nothing's in your Google Doc quite yet. But we'll yeah. we'll be we'll be around. We got big ideas. We got big ideas. So, but um, creating a, a great scene in New England, and uh, that's part of why we want to help our team out. Um, is because we now have uh, I would say eight to twelve people that. Uh, are in the northern New England area that we know uh, personally, and, and they're really into AR, and um, you know that's how you build a community and, and you start building more races up, and um, it starts on the, that grassroots level, and that's why we founded our races and why we're kind of creating this race team. Uh, if you look at what has been done regionally in the Midwest and in Pennsylvania with bulls and with rootstock um, and down south. Uh, there's really strong regions for AR, and we want to build New England into one of those. Yeah. So what's um, okay? I'm I'm. We're gonna wrap up. I just here's one last question. What's um, what's the hardest part about doing your races in in Maine or up in New England? Is it permitting? Is it just getting people to figure out what what's going on, or getting people there? Or like, what do you think's your biggest hurdle? Permitting is super easy in Maine. Yeah. Like the state could be easier or nicer to work with. It's, I hear about horror stories other yeah. places. And, um, literally, I've had like senior officials in the state of Maine government just be like, go for it. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're set. I'm like, can I get something in writing? He's like, sure, <laughs> if you want it. I mean, send me whatever you want and I'll sign it. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, so permitting has been great. Um, I think the hardest thing to have other ideas, but... To me, I mean, we're we're up in like the very northeast, like, um, very tip of the country here. So, yeah. Um, you, you have to bring everyone a long way to get up here, and yeah. I think Maine has a great brand in terms of you know people know it's a great outdoor destination or destination. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, is it worth the drive? Um, and we're trying to build up our races and put the effort into our races to make people know that, yes, it's definitely worth the drive. So I think that's the toughest thing. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny because we've got Austin that's really not far from us. Um, but, you know, I don't think Boston's really like an AR town yet, you know, I mean, untapped really. I think it's just, you know, well, there's a lot of athletic people living in Boston. They're just not doing adventure races. They're doing – um, you know, triathlons and you know, races and things like that. So, stupid marathons. Stupid marathons. <laughs> so we got to we got to just entice them out of their out of their comfort zone. Yeah. So well, once they all watch Eco Challenge on Amazon, they'll be yeah, beating so down your door. Amazon. That's the ticket, Randy. I'm telling you. <laughs> so, but all right. So well, you know the deal. Send me your links so I can put them in the show notes and. Even though it's seven o'clock here and it's like fifteen degrees, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take somebody you know who out for a little nice. hike in the snow. Nice, bundle up and uh, enjoy. Yep, yeah. you know that's yeah. the best best part about not competing anymore 
is I can just bundle up and go out for a hike. I don't have to worry about overheating. <laughs> so we're in that zone right now. You know, we're in that like off season. Just, yeah. Wow. The uh, we're in Kyle Peter season now. There you go. It's um, <laughs> as Kyle <laughs> Peter put it. It's a it's a eating season. Yeah, I miss that guy. Get him on the podcast soon. Yeah, I'll talk to him eventually. Well, you know he's got. He'll be back. I yeah. almost guarantee that. So. But, <laughs> So, all right. Well, thanks for the chat. It's always fun. Thank you, Randy. So, and then, um, all right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Have a good night. Bye.